0: Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to Midpoint, our weekly podcast here at Faith City Church. We've been away for a little bit, but we're excited to be back this fall. And today I'm here with Ben Margison, and we are ready to talk about the first message in our new series, Under the Sun, and uh, the tagline being Discovering Your Eternal Impact. So, Ben, what did you think of this Sunday? And welcome back. Thanks for having me, Paul. This Sunday, really
1: enjoyed the message. I know I maybe say that and everyone who listens just thinks I'm a huge Pastor Paul Kosala fanboy, which is true, but I'm sure there will be weeks that I say... Oh, maybe this wasn't my favorite thing Or, oh, this felt challenging But uh, it was challenging And it was really good Just thinking through the the idea And I got to hear it twice Was the idea that nothing is new under the sun But when we release ourselves to God Almost everything is new And I got caught up thinking about that I think especially later in the week this week But yeah, really enjoyed the message Love the stories Especially as I told you earlier <laughs>
0: Yeah, we had a few good stories in there. And just by way of like recap, for those that uh, may have missed the message or haven't gotten the chance to take a listen yet, what we're really talking about in this series is how to discover and figure out this idea of eternal impact. And looking at the book of Ecclesiastes, which is the second part to Solomon's gift of wisdom to us. Proverbs being the more practical wisdom and Ecclesiastes being this idea of like the philosophical or existential questions of meaning of life and this kind of thing. It really, Solomon's words to us, especially if you read through Ecclesiastes, almost like in a sitting or two, you get the vibe of, oh, this isn't like you just take one verse here when he says, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Like he opens <laughs> up with that and then it's like, oh my goodness, I have having a crisis of faith because what does this guy mean? You know, you got to read it through in the sort of poetic language that it's been given to us in to get the idea that, oh, this is kind of almost like rhetorical in some ways. This is figurative in in the ways that we're saying it's not completely it's not all meaningless, but it is meaningless outside of the context of connection to the one who has given us this life to live. And it's interesting, you know, in some of the refrains, and we talked about this on, on Sunday, in some of the passages of Ecclesiastes that are more famous, I think of the passage in chapter three, that everything has a time. And, that you know, there's been a number of songs that are written based out of that. In those phrases that Solomon uses in the beginning of chapter three, you come to understand that he's linking it back to God's sovereignty, because he talks about how, God makes everything beautiful in his time. So it's not that everything's a disaster. It's that everything has to do with this time that is appointed of God. And so within God, we find this purpose. And as you've rightly said, Ben, then we come back around to So under the sun is a refrain that comes back up a number of times in in Ecclesiastes. And the the idea then that we're left with is, oh, so nothing new under the sun. We're not going to do anything that nobody has ever also done, but... If we can get out from under the sun and have this eternal perspective, hmm, then maybe maybe things change. And he gives us a clue in chapter three, when he says that God put eternity in our hearts. So that gives you kind of a bit of overview, those of you that are listening, of what we're connecting with. And in the subsequent weeks, this week, we set that up. Next week, we'll get more into, so how do we get moving towards that purpose the week after, we'll talk in a little more detail, but actually, how we function, you know, in that purpose and etc. But the main point being, getting out from under the sun, having an eternal impact. It happens when we get connected to the Lord, and that purpose generally for all of us is great commission. So, Ben, when it comes to Abraham, uh, because I used Abraham as as an example Sunday. And this idea of shifting and coming out from under something, that language of out from under the sun speaks to us of being like earthbound and conformed to this world. And we looked back at Abraham because there's this really amazing moment where God says, hey, Abraham, I'm taking you out of the tent so that you can look up at the stars and tell me if you can number them all. That moment of just discovery of like, what what is possible? I told the story a little bit about Uh, My own personal journey that way. But what about you? Like, have you had a moment like that where God brought you out of the tent, so to speak?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I've had a couple of those moments in my life where I was probably, for me, they came at a crisis of faith of some sort. Maybe not like wanting to go away from my faith, but having doubts and not knowing and having those moments where you feel like you're at, a little bit of your tipping point and you're, you're like, what is all this kind of like the meaningless, like having those meaningless thoughts, like, Oh, my life is meaningless. Maybe things weren't going well in life. And I've had, I'm happily married now, so people might not understand this, but I've had some really bad run-ins with breakups and I was classically the one gotten broken up with. So I've had a number of those moments and I can actually, as far as one in nature, I can remember specifically having just doubts about faith and feeling like, oh, maybe there isn't more to life. And I was walking, um, we were on a retreat when I was on student leadership at Tyndale And I was just walking. We were supposed to have silent time. And I, until in my later years, I'm still not good at being silent, but when I take time to go be silent, I'm, I can (laughs) do it passably now. Um, but I used to say I'm horrible at being silent. So I at least had to be walking. I
0: believe that you're horrible at being silent. In fact, I bet if we just said, Ben, you have to be silent for five minutes right now. That you would not be able to do it.
1: Oh, see the challenge would would already right there. there. No, because I wasn't. (laughs) You didn't say go. And
0: the other (laughs) thing I thought of when you were talking about the breakups was. You must've had like some real, real good breakup songs that you listened to. Like, I know you're a big fan of music. So. Oh yeah. I've,
1: I'll, I'll have to pull that as for another podcast time, pulling out the, some classic uh, sad songs or something like so that. I interrupted, in your flow,
0: though, I interrupted your flow. You're talking about being on the silent retreat and. Yeah.
1: So we're on this, we're at this retreat and we have to go spend the whole afternoon in silence. And I'm like, okay, at least I need to be walking. Cause I can't just sit here. And I was just thinking about some stuff like, oh, some things in my life that maybe hadn't come to pass that I would like, or maybe questioning some of the ways that that God worked and some of his sovereignty, not understanding it, which it's hard to understand God. And then I was walking and there were all these beautiful trees around and the air was so fresh. It was... Yeah, kind of in the countryside a little bit as all good Christian retreats seem to be because apparently you can think better not in the city sometimes. And it was nothing important happened. I didn't see a cool eagle or something fly in front of me, but it was just this clicking moment of saying, yeah, God, I want to give myself over to you. And I know sometimes I'm not going to be able to explain things, but look at all this beauty and kind of seeing the beauty of God's creation in that moment for me was so important and creation spoke to me in that moment. And I felt at peace and surrendered and to some extent had this coming to a realization that, that things are new and fresh in God and I just need to work in his timing. And probably some of it was to do with not having a girlfriend at the moment. I wouldn't be shocked. (laughs) Can't remember that specifically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, this might be before your time, but boys to men, man, end of the road. Just, you you can cue that up on YouTube later on. All right. Um, I'll put it on my list. But, uh, and that is in no way an endorsement of that group. Uh, (laughs) But uh, what's interesting though, what you said there, it is this idea of perspectives, perspectives changing, right? You know, all of a sudden being at peace, like, I mean, I quote this one a lot because I think it's one of the most amazing promises that we have on this side of eternity, to have the peace that passes all understanding guarding our hearts, and I think, in fact, it can be one of the greatest testimonies of Christ's love and light in our world today that we are able, if we tap into that, to be at peace. But uh, as an aside, that just to say that we can come out of the perspective of of secularism and this world and and what it has to offer, and it's a wonderful world. But what God has created for us in eternity is, is so much more amazing and is promised to us. But if we don't come out of the tent if we don't allow that process to happen. And it's interesting, the language in Genesis 15, where this happens, because I, I haven't looked at the Hebrew and uh, I wouldn't be able to read it. I'd have to look at it, you know, from a secondary sort of source or perspective. But the English translations all are in agreement that God led, led Abraham out or God, um, mm-hmm. the NIV says God took him out. And so it seems more than like God just said, hey, let's go go outside of your tent like it's almost like there was this very much involvement of god in in bringing him out and showing him you know the sky and i think that's just such beautiful imagery because there's like relationship there there is yeah. you know uh, there is also that sense of agency that abraham had to you know be agreeable to like going out to look and i think that that's a wonderful thing because it reminds us that this under the sun idea Involves us. It's not just something that is bestowed on Ben Margison and Amanda Ball, our new children's pastor, but oops, we missed Pastor Paul or whatever. <laughs> you know, like it's it's actually something we all can be involved with if we so choose, if we so accept like that invitation to come out of the tent. In the sense of this tent, let's just continue with that for a moment, because one of the other things we talked about Sunday morning was how this story of abraham isn't isolated and it's not one of these things that's just in the old testament and and doesn't you know translate i mean i believe everything from the old testament in some way shape or form translates and is a part of our new covenant in ways but the old testament idea of abraham coming out of the tent there's like beautiful language that picks up on that from paul in 2nd corinthians 5 i believe it is where he talks about the tent like of our humanity one day being destroyed Ben, when you think of Paul's words there, what does that mean for you? Like, you know, looking at what we're talking about, discovering our eternal impact, these divine purposes, that imagery of the tent, Abraham, and then Paul picking up that language. What does that evoke for you? Oh, man.
1: I think the tent language from from Paul, and I'm just reading it over again now because I had forgotten that part of the message. I know I'm a pastor. don't remember. Uh, I don't have a photo hearing. uh Specifically, uh,
0: <laughs> photo photo but, hearing memory, is that what you said? Pho- photo hearing memory, yeah, that's that's what it's called. Um no, and, it's, photographic uh, it's not <laughs> photo you can't hear photos, you, you look at photos.
1: I know. I was thinking of photographic memory and then photo hearing. You knew what I meant, uh, I think. Uh <laughs> but um just the idea of ourselves being broken down so that we could be reborn or rebuilt in who Christ has designed us to be not totally unformed of pieces that we don't already have in our personality. And it's like, God's not like, Oh, everything about you is horrible. Let me make you a new personality because the old you is trash in all ways, but in this beautiful way where we know that, that God does reorient our thinking in our minds and help build us more into who he has designed us to be and who in an eternal sense, we can strive towards continuously growing into because he reforms us, but it's like this consistent reforming. And the more that we give ourselves over to him, the more that we are formed into our, I'll use a word that I don't know if it's the correct terminology, but the true selves that God has purposed for us.
0: Yeah. And that idea of true self and reforming is something to pause on for a moment, because I think that there can be misunderstandings that arise here. And using that language, are we saying that who God has made us to be with our interests and, you know, like even like the the unique things about us, the way we look, the way we speak, the things we enjoy, do those things need to be reformed? Is our personality something that needs to be reformed? So I throw those questions out there because I think these are important questions to ask when we're talking about purpose, you know, and we're talking about eternal purpose and we're connecting that very intentionally with the Great Commission and being missional, which simply means living a life that shines Christ's light in people's lives wherever and however we can but the thing that we talked about in the summer during our summer single serving sermon series oh, was that it. God wants to leverage <laughs> God wants to leverage our unique design and so this idea of reforming and being on the potter's wheel are you saying Ben that that means like things in our life the way that we were made like those things should change or is this more about Forming and reforming when it comes to like our spirit selves and, you know, growing as like a student. Let's pretend, you know, that I just came to Christ today. I just decided today I want to serve him. And so there's a reforming that happens because I don't know Jesus yet and I'm just getting to know him. And I think it's important for us to talk about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is this reformation, not this total reintroduction. It's not all new material. That God brings in the same way that like I don't know a lot about clay So I maybe shouldn't use this (laughs) This terminology But like when you talked about potter's wheel If you watch sometimes when people are making things Sometimes they go all oblong and weird And then they just like push it back down And reform it And then they start to get the rhythm right Or the hand motions I'd love to try it sometime And I really think that that's what God does He shapes our spirit and leads us And the more that we give ourselves over to him, he leads us down the path that he has designed for our lives. And a lot of the time, I'm not going to say this is like a total for everyone in every situation. But a lot of the time when people are saying, oh, I don't know what God's purpose is for my life. Oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. "Oh," It's like surrender yourself to Jesus. And if you're giving yourselves over to him. You're going to make good decisions in him if they're godly and good. There's moments where you hear specifically, and there's other times I totally believe that if you are surrendered to him and seeking wise counsel, he's going to bless your decision. And I think it gets really easy for us to get caught up in the, and I've heard it before, the the whole like, oh, you have to hear it from God directly or it's a, not a good decision. That's not what anyone says, but that's what it feels like. And I think part of being reformed is the more we're formed into him and the Holy Spirit's moving and working in us and our spirit is in good community, but also connecting with Jesus, the more that we're going to just step into who he's created us to be.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, I don't know if I
1: got to your question.
0: Well, I'm going to bring us back <laughs> there, though, because I, I think you did for sure. And then it's just with that answer, then coming back to is it personality that has to change? Is it interests that have to change? I think what you're saying in that answer is no, it's not. This is about no. the reforming. Like, so the rebirth happens. Jesus talking to Nicodemus. How can this happen? How do you enter into your mother's womb? Well, it's the spirit that does it. So the soul is regenerated. And from that regeneration, you know, our life is influenced. If we follow Christ and we conform to him, not to this world, then as Paul says, Romans 12, we begin this transformation process, right? Yeah. And that's an ongoing process from now until Jesus comes or or he calls us home. But then it's important to note, though, that within that, the unique design is so important to this idea of eternal impact and under the sun. Yes. So, for example, then enjoys wearing nudie thin fits for his jeans. <laughs> now, what we're saying is that if you come to Christ and you follow Jesus, you don't have to dress like Ben. No. Um, you definitely don't have to dress like Paul. There isn't this idea that there's conformity in that sense. We try to make good decisions in all ways, but we express our unique interests and purposes and preferences for jeans, and we can debate and laugh about the names if we want. But all of that... None of it is at all related to this reforming that we're speaking of. right? And there's an interesting scripture, like a little story, not really story, but it's a thing that happens with Peter and Jesus in Matthew chapter uh, 15, is it here? Let me just pull it up. No, 16. Around about verse 21, Jesus starts to tell the disciples about the bad stuff that's going to happen to him. And so this connects with what you were saying earlier about decision-making and this process of all this. And Jesus started to let them know because he had gotten to the place in relationship, idly with them, where it was now time to start unpacking these things that not only is he the son of God, but you know what, he's got to die and he's going to be raised from the dead and you know, this stuff is going on. And Peter has just had the revelation that he's the Christ. And then Jesus is telling him, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I got to go and suffer many things. So it's just this. Verse 21, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and was going to speak some wisdom to Jesus. Peter (laughs) took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Wowzers! That's a pretty big statement. And then Jesus goes on to say this. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, other translations will say, if anyone would follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it for what will profit a man if he gains the whole world forfeits his own soul, um, etc. Now, how does this all connect to what you were saying? I believe it connects because this filters out, in a way, some of the things that we have caught up in our identity. Yeah. But I believe this story also illustrates for us our unique design and why it's important. So, Peter, you know, pipes up is like, oh, Jesus, you know, nah, 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 nah. like he was forward and telling him, like, you know, this is the way it should be. And Jesus rebuked him. But a few verses earlier, that same sense of forwardness allowed Peter to be the one to say, no, you know what? You're the Christ. And then Jesus is like, yeah, I you. I'm going to build my church. And then he preaches in Acts 3 and revival breaks out. It's the same person. What an up and down day for Peter. I mean, yeah, right? <laughs> what an up and down day is right. And yet the the verses here are really what's so important. 24, 25, when Jesus said, it's going to be like, he's telling everyone, I'm going to have a rough life here at the end. And then later on he's saying, and so are you take up your own cross mm there's going to be difficult choices. There's going to be things that happen that are, are challenging, etc. There's things in our identity. And that's a word that we talk about a lot in society now that do end up being difficult and we have to deny. But there is so much that is in us in terms of our design, our interests, the things that we love, the things that are, are lawful and good and expedient and wholesome. And the Bible even uses that term. I think those things are all in bounds. And I think, what can help us to scripture to help us to understand what are the things in our life that can become a hindrance that are things that we need to just take to the cross and deny ourselves, even if they are natural tendencies, even if they are things that, whatever we feel are core to Id- our identity, at times we got to lay those aside in order to fulfill this unique purpose and design. I really do like what you were saying about the decision making, and I see it time and time again that it is an area. Of where we stumble and where we run back into the tent, so to speak.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Run back into the tent. Uh, That just makes sense to me. And I think when you were talking about the deny yourself and losing your life, if you lose your life in my name, you're going to find your life. And I was just thinking about a little bit about the story I told earlier, but kind of about Abraham's faith in God was counted to him as righteousness. Right. And like this idea that he's like, I'm going to give myself over. And there's a denying of self to some extent. And Abraham is like this rich guy or fairly wealthy. We don't know the extent, but like, I think pretty wealthy by terms of the situation. And he's like willing to get up and do everything because God tells him to. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is an element in that that mm-hmm. is about like denying what worldly we, the human back into the tent would want of us yeah, and stepping into this life, So we might lose the things of the moment or the things of the world and people value, uh, whether that's financial or fame or whatever it might be. But in giving ourselves over, there's so much more to gain, not only for ourselves, which is awesome and amazing. And it's great to experience God and to be in the presence of God and to be with people who are in the presence of God. But also the eternal reality that the more that we give ourselves over, the more we're going to look like Jesus and we're going to lead people to Jesus, whether that's through relationship or through hearing more accurately or whatever it might be.
0: I think that you've brought us right back to Solomon and kind of brings us to the place we want to be as we wind this down, where that's where Solomon was as well in terms of the riches of the world, in terms of all the success that one could have from a secular point of view and arguably from a spiritual point of view, having built the temple for God to dwell in, and then, you know, having the best parties and the best of everything and just doing what he wanted to do at times. And so I think Solomon is actually a very relatable character for all of us. I think all of us could find ourselves in Solomon to a degree, which is helpful because he's the one saying, as I think, if you asked Abraham, he'd be saying too, and his his behavior showed it. This stuff, it's just not worth it, people. What's worth it is getting out of the tent, chasing after God. Unless your toil, your work, as Solomon uses, likes to use the word toil, it comes up. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's such a funny word to me, toil. Uh, but, it, you know, unless it's connected to God and those eternal ideas and purposes, it's not going to answer that eternity that's in our hearts. And Jesus lays it out here for us that if you want to find that sense of fulfillment, I think that can be likened to this finding your life, lose your life in the side. Like give it away as much as possible and you're going to find it. And I think that's absolutely true. And if in some small measure we're able to take that and begin to apply that truth, I think that we get to a really interesting place. And so as we end, we've got another episode coming at you, which talks about actually a number of the ways you can begin to apply message one this fall. And we're going to talk about the different ministry opportunities and things going on and around the church. There's so many of them that it's really important that we, we do our own episode on that just so that you can get that information. But what we're talking about at Faith lately is this, that we want to give you good biblical teaching, and we'll call that information, that's anointed of God that this Holy Spirit is in, that is sound doctrine and good and wholesome truth from the scripture. And we need to take that and apply it. So if we just give good information and we tell you some good stuff and you listen even and hear it and all of that, But it doesn't get to the place of application. We believe that we're going to fall short of the kind of transformation that Paul speaks of in Romans 12, the renewing of our mind and being transformed and not conformed. It's one thing to know things, and then it's another thing to be able to apply them and see them work in our own lives. And so we do want to encourage you today to take an opportunity to head over to the church website, click on Fall Launch, and you'll see a whole bunch of areas that you can get involved And it's not about being involved just here at Faith City Church. We want that, of course, if this is your church and where you call home. But if you're part of another church listening today, you don't get plugged in there. Where is it that maybe you need some training on how to share your faith? Well, we've got Life Shared coming at you this fall. Maybe you just need an opportunity to actually get out there and share your faith. Well, our Standing in the Gap team is doing that regularly. There's all kinds of other opportunities. Maybe you're you're kind of stuck with some habits or past hurts and things, and you're not quite ready. You're feeling like, I can go out there and, and love on people yet yeah, because you got some stuff to deal with. Well, we've got Celebrate Recovery happening and a really amazing study called Life's Healing Choices that's going to be starting. So all of that information is available on the church website. You can just head over to faithhalifax.org and check it out. And uh, also watch for that upcoming episode because we're going to talk about a number of those ministries. Ben, thanks so much for your time again. Thanks, Bob. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So please feel free to connect with us on Facebook at Faith Halifax or on our website, faithhalifax.org. Thanks so much for listening. God bless.